Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. You know, I'm really excited to preach today. I'm really excited to bring the word. This is one of those sermons that was birthed out of something God was doing in my life, what he was speaking to me and how he was moving in me. And I kind of have this commitment to you, church, that um, I won't allow my devotions from the week, the things that God is inspiring me with, for that to be what I preach on a Sunday, because I want the Lord to, to speak to me. I want him to lead me first. And then when it becomes conviction in me, then I'll present it and bring it as a message uh, before our church. And this is one of those things that for eight weeks, I just can't shake. I just can't get rid of the fact that I have to talk about this. And it's a very simple message. Are you okay with a simple message today? Some simple truths, looking back into the Old Testament and it's not flashy, doesn't have a lot of catchphrases and it's not really that funny. So if you came for humor, uh, you can go watch Netflix later or something, okay? But um, man, I'm, I, I attempt to preach messages where people who are seeking God can be enlightened with the gospel truths. And I attempt to preach messages where believers, people who have said yes to Jesus can be trained and equipped with the gospel. And I attempt to preach messages where disciples of Jesus who are leading other people are reminded of the truth and encouraged to continue on. And so wherever you fit in the box today, wherever you sit in that, I pray that today this message speaks to you. You either get reminded, you get trained in the ways before us. And I encourage you, would you turn in your Bibles to Genesis 22? I believe we as believers should continuously be testing our faith, walking in faith and trying it out. We shouldn't be timid to step out in faith. See, God gives us this great gift of faith, and as long as it matches up with his word, we can walk it out every single day. And the testing ground produces greater faith, and I believe greater rewards, amen? In Hebrews 11, it shows us a legacy of heroes of the faith, is what we call them, who have gone before us, and by faith, they did things for God. And what the Bible says is they were all commended for their faith. I encourage you, go read Hebrews 11 a different time. We're not gonna have the time for it today, but it talks about Noah, Enoch, Abel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the people who passed through the Red Sea and the people that walked around the walls of Jericho, the prostitute Rahab, David, Samuel, Samson, the prophets, and they were all commended and reported in the Bible more than once for their lives of faith. By faith they lived. There's something to that that we all need to grasp and learn from in our work every single day. And so I pray today that we can grow in our faith a little bit more. And I wanna take some time to highlight one of the greatest heroes of faith, and that is Abraham. And specifically, I wanna highlight the story of Abraham and Isaac. So Genesis 22. Are you ready for the word? Come on. Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, 
Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back. I saw this in the first service and I didn't even register it till now, but I love the faith that uh, Abraham speaks with even in this verse. He, he tells the servants that we will come back. He had faith enough to believe in even, even in this moment to his servants that God was gonna provide. Verse six, Abraham took the wood for his burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went up on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? See, even in this time, for those of you who haven't heard this story before, in this time they would have presented burnt offerings for atonement for their sins. And so Isaac would have been aware of what would take place right here. They would build an altar, they would kill a lamb, and they would lay it up on the altar. So he's asking, where, where is the lamb? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, aren't you grateful for that but right there? But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up there in the thicket. He saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Thank God for instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I wanna preach a message today titled, Tested Faith. Tested Faith. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm gonna get some tested faith. I'm gonna get some tested faith. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and active and speaking to us, that even a story from all these years ago can speak to us today. Thank you, Lord, that you're revealing new truths to us today or encouraging us in the journey. I pray, Lord, we will leave forever changed. I pray we'll be inspired to continue pressing on and live lives of faith. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. How many of you would say, even in this room, that, that you're a good tester? 
Like you get into a room where there's a piece of paper or you have the hour come up on your computer and there's the test. And when you look at the test, you're able to fill in the boxes and you know what to do in the right moment and you like ace every single test. How many of you would say you're a good tester in this place? You guys are amazing. Come on, the few of you, the few great testers. And how many of you would say in this place, which is gonna be a majority, uh, that you're a terrible tester? Anybody else? Come on, my people right there. Hallelujah. I'm not alone. It's funny, I don't know what it is. Whenever I would sit down to take a test or even in college when I would get on the computer to do some sort of test or assignment, my mind would just go in a million different directions and the things that I had learned went away from me in that moment. I don't know what it is. My whole life it's been this all the way from high school, all the way through college. And I went to college in Australia. And when I went to college, they had an interesting grading system there. And basically it was this, you're either competent or not yet competent. I got really familiar with the NYC because I got a lot of not yet competence. You know what I'm saying? And I remember I was so frustrated by the fact that I didn't test well. I could not figure out how to test well. And I would sit down with my professors after these classes and, and after these tests. And oftentimes they would ask me the questions and I would answer them perfectly. I think it was just the environment I was in. I couldn't figure out how to get what was in my mind out. But when it was in conversation, I would answer them. I'm here to tell you today that by the grace of God and by a couple grace-filled professors, I made it through college. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, Lord, for those professors. But really, when it comes down to it, testing is a necessary part of our journey in learning. Testing enables the leader of the organization to see if you are competent, growing, and fully understanding what you're learning. Another way to say it is this, testing is a procedure intended to establish quality performance or reliability of something, especially before it's taken into widespread use. Do we see this today? Let me read that one last part again. Testing is a procedure intended to establish the quality, performance, or reliability of something, especially before it's taken into widespread use. So we can see this that in the same way that we're tested in our jobs, same way we're tested in college, the same way we're tested with our knowledge, we can actually be tested in our faith. Why? Because we got widespread use on every single one of our lives. The Great Commission, go into what? All the world, widespread use. Make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, right? We, we need to be tested because we are meant to be used for widespread use. So let's jump back into this story. I want to give a little bit of backstory of, of Genesis 22. I think it's important that you see that God had given Abraham so many incredible promises along the way, and some of which being Genesis 12, one through four. I'm gonna read through these very quick. They'll be on the screen. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Hear this. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 15, 5 through 6. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. 
Then he said to him, so shall be your offspring. Are we seeing the promises of God over Abraham's life? One more is Genesis 17, four through seven. As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. Come on, how many want to be fruitful in their life? I will make nations of you, and the kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. So here God has obviously blessed this man, Abraham. His hand of favor is on this man's life. God gave him these promises and he made it crystal clear. And years and years into his life, God, by a great miracle, when Sarah was 80 years old, gave Abraham and Sarah Isaac, the promise coming to fruition, the name being made great, the the descendants coming that were promised, the very start to the promises of his life. So Isaac is a young boy, and that's where we pick up the story. And I want to read these first couple scriptures again. Genesis 22, 1 through 2. Sometime later, God tested. Everyone say tested. Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. He replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moria. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. And early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, and he took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. Like, what? Like, Abraham has been waiting his whole life for the promises of God to come into fruition. He's been waiting for the inheritance that God has put before him. His son was the prize of his patience. His son was the outworking of his name being made great. His son was the nations after him. And God is asking him to lay down the promise. And I think it's so important, church, that we remember that we're not meant to put our trust in the promises. We're meant to put our trust in the promise giver. And if we live our lives like that, we will have the right priority every single step of the way. And that is exactly what Abraham was able to do in this moment. It says Abraham gets up early. Early bird gets the worm, right? Abraham gets up early, takes his son. He's urgently following after what Jesus had told him to do. Gets up early. I love the urgency that he carries. And he follows the command. And as we know, the rest of the story goes. He has Isaac carry the wood up. Isaac asked his father, where's the lamb for sacrifice? Abraham says, God will provide. I can't even imagine speaking that to my child. They set up this altar, and Isaac gets bound, his hands and his feet, and laid on the altar. As Abraham raises his knife, an angel of the Lord says and stops him, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham's response, just like he had before, He says, here I am. The angel says, don't lay a hand on the boy. Then God provides a ram in the bush and they were able to sacrifice. It was a close one. This story is so significant for many reasons, but the main reason is Abraham was tested in his faith. He would go to no end to lay down his life for God. His faith was so great in the Lord that even up to the point of raising his knife 
He believed that God would provide. I can't even imagine that kind of faith. I mean, in this place, can I just be honest? I can't even fathom that kind of faith. See, me as a father, I have four children, seven and under, and every time they're even sick, I'll sit there at their bedside and go, I wish I could just take your sickness from you, right? Like, God, please give me their sickness so they don't have to be sick. Like, this is, this is like what I operate like as a dad. Like, and I can't even imagine how Abraham's urgent response to rise up and follow the commands of God, I would have pushed back to God. Can we be honest? I would have been like, God, just take me instead. I'm willing to lay down my life. Don't ask for my son. Don't ask for my inheritance. Don't ask for the promise you gave me. Just take my life. Yet God had massive, massive promises in store for Abraham. And he wanted to make sure that Abraham's heart was truly for him and not just for the promises. Are you with me, church? Now, I can assure you today, I just want to settle your hearts because this is kind of a hard hard scripture to read in church. Like, yeah, so encouraging. Like, Abraham almost killed his son with a knife. Hello. I can assure you that God is not going to ask you to sacrifice your kids. Can we just, can we just like let everybody know that? Like, let it settle in your hearts. Jesus went to the cross, died once and for all, sacrificed and was the final atonement for our sins. We no longer even have to present sacrifices in the form of burnt offerings. So that's off the table, first of all. But now we live in the new covenant with him, right? And it opens up this opportunity for us to lay down our very lives, ourselves, in pursuit of God. He's not going to bring harm to you. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to cause hardship in your life. And I want you to understand that God is good, always good. Amen? He doesn't want you to experience pain in your life. All the while, this Intense story is one of the very best examples of what it looks like to be tested completely in your faith. And I want you to hear me today, church. This is kind of a little bit of a detour. God is not an accessory to your life. Church is not an accessory to your life. It's not like going to the movies or going to a restaurant. I'm going to also go to church. No, like even Manny was saying before, we are the church. We are the body of Christ, right? This is a part of our faith journey, and we are meant to, at the baseline, participate in what God has called us to do. This isn't an accessory. This isn't a check the box of going to church and I feel good about my week. Are you with me? And it's important to understand because oftentimes we aren't testing our faith beyond the fundamentals. Like the fundamentals of going to church and maybe reading your Bible and praying before a meal. Oftentimes we're kind of just in the rut, checking the God box and saying, I'm just going to do what I need to do to be saved and I'm going to leave it there. But I believe God has so much more for each and every one of us. Are you with me? There's so much more in store. New levels, new promises, new opportunities to reach people for him. And we should actually be testing our faith in different ways every single day. I believe this. Here I am is the continual response we should have in every moment of every day. I'm going to read it again so it settles. Because I believe this is significant. And if we can learn this, it'll change your very life. Here I am is the continual response we should have in every moment of every day. He's not gonna ask you to sacrifice your son, but the Holy Spirit might draw you to share your faith at work. What's our response? Here I am. Maybe he might draw you to help that person 
financially, here I am. You hear the need to serve people, here I am. To go on that mission trip, here I am. Are you with me, church? To pray for that person right there in the coffee shop for healing, for restoration. God, here I am. To pray before dinner and pray with your spouse, here I am. To give it all for the sake of the gospel, here I am. To wake up early, do your devotions when no one else sees. Take so much faith, here I am. To step out and start that ministry, to step out and start that job. Come on, church. Here I am. To participate in all that God is doing in your life and in the church. Here I am, God. Should be our continual response in every moment of every day. And we have to step out and test our faith. This isn't about checking a God box. This is about a progressional, ever-growing relationship with God, testing and producing for God. Eight weeks ago, I started getting this sense and this draw from the Holy Spirit that we needed to move to two services as a church. Now, I'd been telling the team since the beginning when we came into this room, I was like, I think the logical thing to do is when we hit 300 people on a Sunday, we're gonna talk about moving to two services. When we hit that consistently, we're gonna talk about moving to two services. And this is what we were talking about. And then all of a sudden, it was like eight weeks ago, I couldn't shake it. It was one of those things where you just feel the Lord drawing you and going, this is what I have for you. And so prayed a lot about it before I even brought it to Brianna. Brianna and I talked about it. We felt good. We called some overseers. They felt good about it. And they said, you should do it. We talked to some of our team and our staff and they were on board and ready to go and ready to step out in faith. And can I tell you, that we were pretty far off from that 300 number. Logically, it didn't make sense. Didn't look like the next step we were supposed to take. It was like stepping out onto an invisible floor. Like we don't know if we're gonna meet the ground when we step out right here. But what did we do? We tested our faith. We stepped out and believed that God was gonna meet us right there. And on the weekend that we announced our church moving to two services, we had 291 people in church that weekend. Isn't that crazy? I, I, I mean, I, we got Bobby excited, but isn't that wild? Like, it's beautiful. Even a year into church, what God is doing in and through our community. Isn't it significant what God is doing? And I tell you what, every step of the way, we need to test God's test our faith. Say, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to step out into what you have for me, God. It lines up with your word. I'm walking in integrity and character, and I'm believing that you're going to meet me right there. Amen? Here I am. Here I am. I believe that Abraham's promises wouldn't have come to be in his life if he wouldn't have been faith-filled towards the command of God. If he wouldn't have stepped out and done what God had told him to do, the promises that were spoken would have gone to someone else. But what a significant thing that he was willing to step out in his faith. And I just wanna take a quick detour and talk about faith. It's one of the most countercultural, backwards thinking, logically unsound thing that we do as Christians is have faith. I mean, honestly, it's this thing that we almost unknowingly do because of our belief. Like somehow we all obtain faith and often don't even think about the process in which we arrived at this faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So what we hope for is developed into this confidence which creates this faith about what we do not see. So many steps and it's so hard to navigate. Like how do we really arrive at faith? 
And I believe one of the most powerful choices that each and every one of you can make, every one of us can make, is to step out in belief and have certainty in that. Yeah. Hebrews eleven six says this, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I love that word, please. It's, it's important to see that. It says, you are esta, which means cause to be pleased. So when we act in faith, when we believe and we step out in faith, we're causing God to be pleased with us. Are you with me, church? And I, this is a very simplified version of this. I like to make it very simple. And I probably have missed quite a few steps in this, but I hope this is enough for us just to understand a little bit more about what it looks like to develop faith and step out in faith. And the first one that we first of all have to do is choose faith. This is the first step we have to take. When you talk about even moving your foot forward to step forward, there has to be this choice to say, I'm going to have faith. You choose to have faith, and the next step is you have to believe the truth. You actually have to take the faith. You have to choose to believe the truth. And when you choose to believe the truth, the next step is to outwork faith. you got to step forward and outwork the faith that you've been given. And the last step is we're going to please God. It causes God to be pleased. Are you with me, church? So in everything in our life, if we can simplify this, we actually just need to simply choose to have faith, believe the truth, outwork our faith, and please God. Wake up every single morning and say, I'm going to choose to have faith. I'm going to believe the truth, right? Are you with me, church? I'm going to outwork my faith, and I'm going to please God. It's that simple. It's a choice to step forward into the unknown, and it pleases God. It's interesting because I think so often after the moment we give our lives to Jesus and after the honeymoon season of that first time with him following Jesus, we kind of get into a simple routine of faith. It becomes really a part of us. Like we believe in God and we're just in this routine, this, if you will, healthy habit of following God. And that's a beautiful place to be. But I just, I want you to hear me today, church. And the reason this is burning on my heart, we got to test the waters we got to step out in faith more. God has so much more in store for every single one of your lives than the simple practices and the foundational principles of following Jesus. Can I tell you, there are more people that need to hear the gospel message. There are more people that need prayer. There are more people that need resolve in their life. There are more people that need healing. Hello, somebody. God needs some people to step out in faith to change a generation. I believe God has so much more in store. And it starts with a simple, here I am. As we test our faith, our true nature of faith comes out. And our faith is proven genuine. Our faith is proven genuine. We're not coasting. God, I want to I wanna choose faith, believe truth, outwork my faith, please you. And I want my faith to be proven genuine. Are you with me? 1 Peter 1 talks about this great inheritance and this great reward in heaven and our salvation. In verse 6, it says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, the testing, the testing ground. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, 
which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. These have come. The hardship comes. The trials are there. The things in your life, you can't fully understand why they're happening. Things have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith is of greater worth than gold. Ultimately, to bring praise, honor, and glory when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, God is taking the hardship that's happening in your life and he's turning it around for good. He's refining each of us in those moments and our faith is proven genuine. I believe we're called to step out more than ever before and watch as God meets you every step of the way. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the band up as I conclude. I believe this, that when we live in character and integrity, when we live for God and when we match it up with the word of God, it's as easy as just stepping out. Like if it's, if it's from the word of God, we don't need to pray before we tell someone about our faith. We should just step in faith. We should just test the waters. When someone's going through something and their, their body is sick, we shouldn't ask God if we should pray for them beforehand. He's already given us that command. So we should be testing our faith stepping out, asking God to do a mighty work. Amen. Amen. I want to finish this scripture because I think the rest of the story is so significant. Genesis 22, 13 through 18 says this. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place that the Lord will provide. And to this day, it's said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You could even just see like the picture right now as the burnt offering is burning and Abraham has his arm around his son. I would be weeping. <laughs> Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and as the sand and the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all the nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Come on, his tested, proven, genuine faith results in the promises of God coming to be in his life. This promise that had been sitting dormant for Abraham and Sarah, and when the promise of even one offspring had been brought into their life, it was used as a test to show how much Abraham loved God and to what end he would go to show his love and devotion that sprung from faith. So God blesses Abraham because of his obedience to God, his obedience to choose faith, his obedience to believe the truth, his obedience to outwork faith and please God. I believe we have to test our faith to prove the genuineness of our faith. Amen. Come on, would you stand to your feet?
I've always had this sick feeling in my stomach when I read this story. Like we could just be honest in this place, right? I read this story and I think about the journey to the mountain. I think about the conversations I would have with my son. I think about getting off of the the saddle and, and sitting with my son and tying wood to his back and, and walking up the hillside. I, I just can't even fathom it. I can't even imagine. If it were my firstborn son and he was my only son, the promise that God had called in my life years and years awaiting the promise. I can't even imagine with my, I got four kids. I can't even imagine with any of them walking up the hillside and telling them that God is going to provide. I can't imagine being up and building an altar and tying my son's hands and feet and saying, because of my devotion and obedience to God, I'm gonna lay you down for love. I can't imagine that. I literally didn't, I argued with God. God, I do not wanna preach this scripture. Because it makes me sick inside. And as I was reading it, I was reminded that in this region, there was a father that put wood on his son's back in the shape of a cross. And as his son walked up the side of this hill and he approached the top and his hands were bound and his feet were bound. I'm reminded of the fact that this father loved us so much that he laid down his one and only son. I can't even imagine. Like, aren't you so grateful for the love of Jesus today? I pray you're just reminded of the gospel truth. That God loves you, Jesus loves you so much that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He was willing to go to the distance because of his love for you. What's our response to that? Like, how do you even respond to that kind of love? I believe Abraham hit it right on the head. Here I am. Here I am. You want my life, here I am. You want my family, here I am. You want my ministry, here I am. You want my job, here I am. You want my car, you want my house, you want my friends. Whatever you want, I lay it down at your feet, here I am. I am obedient to lay down my life. Use it for your glory, test me, God. I want the proven genuineness of my faith to come to be and I will be obedient every single day, every single moment to say, here I am. Here I am. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. You know, maybe there's someone in this room today that you heard me just unfold the gospel message of what Jesus came and what God did and the gift he gave of his son for you. You know, the Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And this is simply the first step 
into this great, beautiful journey of salvation. It's just acknowledging that you believe that Jesus is Lord. And I don't know how you can hear about the love that God has for you and what Jesus went to do for you and not respond by giving your life for him. So I'm gonna count to three. And if that's you, if you wanna give your life to Jesus for the first time, or maybe today you've been kind of on a journey, on a detour, and maybe today it's time to get your life back on track with God and you wanna rededicate your life to Jesus. If that's you, I'm gonna count to three. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. This is just acknowledging, it's just confessing, saying, I do believe that he is Lord. One, know that God loves you. Two, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't need to wait any longer. Right here, right now, three, would you give your life to Jesus? If that's you, would you just raise your hand all across this room? Come on. We're gonna give a moment. I see your hand. Hallelujah. Keep it up. Hallelujah. Come on. We're gonna give a moment longer. Anybody wants to give their life to Jesus, wants to return to him right here. Come on. I see your hand. Hallelujah. What a beautiful step of faith. Come on. I see your hand. Hallelujah. I see your hand. Come on, church. Come on, can we celebrate people giving their life to Jesus, laying down their life at the altar and saying, whatever it takes, here I am, God. Come on, the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when even one says yes to Jesus. And we are so glad you made the decision and had the faith enough. Come on, let's celebrate him one more time. Hallelujah. If you did make that decision, we're about to pray a prayer in a couple minutes. And uh, I just encourage you to pray it from your heart. Believe the words. And even if you don't know all the answers yet, we're on a journey and we'll just see you on the steps next week. You know what I'm saying? And you just keep going and chugging along with us. But for everyone in the room then, I think there's only one response we can have. Only one thing we can say after all that I've said today. And it's here I am. So whatever posture you want to take, the team is just going to sing this simple bridge. Whatever posture you want to take, would you sing it from your heart as your response? Sing it to God. Laying down your life. Cultivating a routine of testing your faith. Come on, let's sing this out to Him. Here I am. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.